Welcome to the Roll Bama Roll podcast. I'm Wesley Gullett. As always, I'll be joined by Brad Canning. It's A&M week, Brad. I don't want to make you angry immediately, but I'm going to, and talk. we're going to talk kickers, okay? Let's kick this episode off with the most awful, depressing statistic of the Nick Saban era. Alabama has a commitment from three-star defensive tackle, and that's that's important. He's a 280-pound defensive tackle, Jamarian Latham, who plays for Pickens County High School in Reform, Alabama. Now, in addition to being a prospect Alabama's liked for a long time on the defensive line, Jamarian also punts for Pickens County. He punted the ball five times on Friday night against South Lamar. Jamarian Latham averaged 36.6 yards per punt, Brad. Alabama's actual punters are right now averaging 35 yards per punt. Yeah, he's the real last name DeLong, if you ask me. <laughs> Alabama punting 111th in the country and 1.6 yards per punt, less than their high school defensive tackle commitment. Yeah, no one humbles you more than God when you've been crying about something for long enough. <laughs> I'm telling you, I had a tweet last week. We spent so much time bitching about quarterbacks over the last few years, we did not appreciate J.K. Scott enough, and look what we got. Look, at least we aren't Buffalo. <laughs> They're averaging 28 yards per punt when I went back and looked at, you know, who's the, the worst punting teams in the country. So I'm not even sure how that's possible. I can kick a football further than 28 yards, but uh, Will Reichert is still day-to-day. He did kick some at practice on Wednesday. It's possible he plays this weekend, but let me ask you this, and we've talked about this before. Mm. Is it time to completely abandon punting in the opponent's territory and abandon the field goal completely, go for two after every score, go for all fourth downs once you cross the 50. I'll, I vote for you for president. Let's let's get it done. Um, yeah, you know, last year you laid out a case of, look, we got we to gotta start going for two points because, hell, you make 50% of your two-point tries, you're getting the same as if you were going to make every extra point. So really, Alabama's going to be ahead in that margin, getting 50% of two-point conversions. But no, I, I think realistically, if you had that coach that, you know, Lane Kiffin-wise, absolutely. But right now, we just have another uh, another poison drink to continue to swallow. And punting-wise, I never realized how much I hate to punt until this year. <laughs> like you said, you only have to convert half your two-point conversions to score the same amount of points you would have. And that's assuming you're perfect on the extra points, which is a big assumption, right? So then you have to ask, what defense in all of FBS is good enough to stop Tua and the offense from the two-yard line over half the time? Like, is there one? No. Okay. And what team or opposing coach actually wants to see Alabama put that pressure on them? None of them. No. I mean, it'd be impossible. And it's not just extra points. The same applies to field goals and punting and plus territory. Nick Saban sending any kicking unit whatsoever out on the field opposed to going for a fourth and five. And that has to be relief to any opposing coach. I know if I'm Jimbo Fisher on Saturday, I'd much rather see Skylar DeLong or Will Riker trot out there than Tua and Jerry, Jerry Judy. Yeah, you know, if you think back to when, you know, our dad took the job, his biggest thing was we always want to end a drive in a kick, whether it's a punt, a field goal, or an extra point. Ugh. Anything else is bad. And it was okay to, you know, hear that. And then when you live it, <laughs> eh, not so much. <laughs> Do you, have you heard of it, like the high school coach in Little Rock, Arkansas? I don't know if we, we talked about this last year. His name's Kevin Kelly. He refuses to punt or kick field goals under any condition whatsoever. The only time his, team, his team's kick 
is after they score, and all of those are onside kicks. And this dude has won multiple state championships with that philosophy. We don't have to fully adopt that concept uh, in Tuscaloosa, but like, let's let's halfway adopt it. Yeah, look, seriously, let's get him and Steve Spurrier as offensive analyst and problem solved. <laughs> hey, uh, you laugh, but there was a lot of people in Arkansas the last time that job came open that were campaigning for that dude to get the Arkansas job. That's not a joke. Well, honestly, I'd rather have him than Chad Morris anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's talk about the wonderful, wonderful timing of Kirk Herbstreet. The um, the game day crew <laughs> <laughs> the game day crew went on Instagram Live on Tuesday and Kirk asked when was the last time A and M won a big game at Kyle Field. He questioned like if it was even an intimidating environment. He basically went went skirt, scorched earth on A and M and their fans, then ended it asking why they, the media, built Kyle Field up so much. So as someone who thinks bulletin board material matters in some cases, especially to 19-year-olds who can be up and down from week to week, like, could this dude not have waited a week to start dissing A&M out of nowhere? Yeah, like, let's go back to Clemson A&M last year at Kyle Field night game. I mean, I'm sure it was absolutely incredible. Yeah. But I want to know what Kirk said leading into that one. Because I think game day was there. And I have a feeling he probably went a little old Colin Bayless out there and contradicted himself with his comments. <laughs> but, you know, it is what it is. I, I'm here for it because it's great to see, you know, people remind A&M they're A&M. But not when we're going to go out there and we have a high chance to not only score 50 points, but per 10 lose a player in a big game on the road. It, it, like, it may not have any bearing, but no. still, I would rather him waited a week because it did in the college football world of a Twitter or whatever. It did kind of go viral, so it, yeah. it did. There, it did gain some steam, and a lot of people saw that. I mean, I, I think you can make a case for both sides of you know whether it's from a team, an, a media personality, if if bulletin board material matters and it has an effect of any type. Mm -hmm. But I can tell you in terms of Alabama's, you know, it's what they actually put up all year long, a la never again. And this, <laughs> dude, A&M's got their own problems that they should be motivated by, and it's not going to be Kirk Herbstreit. If anything, they just need to worry about that spread. Yeah, I mean, if you can't get up when Alabama comes to town, then you, you probably never are. But I, I got to thinking, like, hey, maybe he's right. Maybe they haven't won a meaningful game there in years, and it's time to start questioning that. So I went back and checked. They oh, beat God. LSU at home last year in the seven-overtime game. It was literally four home games ago. So thank you, Kirk. Well, that was literally four home games in one, too. So It was, yeah. I think it was like 72-70. to 70. My God. I mean, it was awesome to watch, but, you know, we'll call that a big game because it was a big game of how it ended. Yeah. But me, no. But before that, when's the last meaningful things-on-the-line game that's happened at Kyle Field? I don't know. I, I mean, mean, I guess they almost beat Clemson, you can say. Yeah, that's Thanks, probably refs. you know that's the feather in their cap as yeah. far as last year goes. But anyway, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna disrespect the atmosphere at all. I mean, if anything, I'd love. I think that's one of those top ten moments. You go to you know Friday uh, midnight yell practice. You get you take that in, and then you go to a night game there. Uh, I think that would be incredible. And this game for a lot of reasons uh, for the last few months leading into the season two, it's had people circling it in terms of a trap game. How the hell it's not a night game, and I know I am just calling the kettle black here, but how it's not a night game is beyond me, thanks to CBS, of course. But uh, 
I, I still think this game has a high potential. If we have some uh, little punt pass issues, you know, <laughs> we may be talking maybe talking a little bit of an interesting third and fourth quarter. Yeah, uh, it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, Kellen Mond, just weeks after c- proclaiming himself the best quarterback in the SEC, <laughs> has has not really had the year so far that many were expecting, especially on the ground. He ran for 26 yards on Auburn, 33 on Arkansas, and one, that one yard on Clemson. Well, hopefully it was meaningful. <laughs> yeah. No, if, you, if you think back to you know the opening drive, against us last year in Tuscaloosa, you know, that shotgun delay quarterback draw. Mm-hmm. I won't be surprised. Jimbo, you know, he's pulling everything out of his basket right now. I mean, A&M's got two losses. They, this is their season in more ways than that's obvious. He, he does have the sixth highest completion percentage in the league at 64.6, so that's not really terrible. He has the third most yards with 1,333, but over 500 of those came against Lamar in Texas State. So, overall, he's having a slightly improved year in the air, but he's he's just really not as electric in the run game as maybe I thought he'd be in year three. There's also always the very real possibility that none of that matters, and he goes Steven Garcia on Saturday. Absolutely. I mean, he's shown last year in the second half what he's capable of, and I fully expect to see that and then some on Saturday. <laughs> it was also presumed that A&M would maybe have the worst pass defense in the league. This year, uh, I don't think that's been the case so uh, far. Who the hell presumed that? My God, have they never seen Arkansas or Ole Miss the last few <laughs> hey, years? Hey, I mean, look, Ole Miss has improved some on defense. I got to give them credit. Yeah, okay, we'll, we'll give them that, but at least presuming into the season. Yeah, but, but, but I mean, like course. A&M had a really, really awful secondary last year, too. Yeah, they they've did. had it the last few years. But, yeah. man, Arkansas, I mean, still, it can't be worse than that. And well, Arkansas has done a good job at making sure it's not. Well, we'll say one of the worst pass defense. There bottom, we go. bottom half. There we go. That hasn't really been the case, though. The, the only quarterback they've faced to go over 200 yards passing this year is Trevor Lawrence. Uh, Starkle and Hicks combined for over 200 last week at Arkansas. They also threw the ball like 50 times combined. When you look at the stats, they don't necessarily look bad on paper. And this goes for their entire team. But when you watch them and, and you use the eye test, mm. they, they just – they don't look as good as maybe we thought they were going to be. No, there's definitely some regression uh, after the way that season ended last year with the momentum, uh, the feeling within the entire program. But again, we're playing there on the road. So it means it's coming back. They're summoning it back. Uh, And, you know, you think too, Christian Ponder and EJ Manuel owe their entire life to Jimbo Fisher. He made them both first round draft picks. Yeah. So, just because Kellen has struggled compared to how he finished last year does not mean it won't happen. He's due. I mean, honestly, he's due. Uh, but I think a lot of, too, he's not taking those chances because he doesn't have that confidence yet. Well, you know what one big play early in a game like this could do. But going on the road to the state of Texas and winning this game is, is really important for more than just the obvious reasons. One, Saban being undefeated against his former uh, assistants is a stat that is still alive. And I think we would all like to see that continue. Yep. Two is the recruiting momentum Alabama has in the state of Texas as well. Drew Sanders, five-star in the 2020 class. Uh, Latrell McCutcheon in the 21 class. I know they're still doing their due diligence on five-star running back Zach Evans. I don't know if that anything's ever going to come of that. But uh, Alabama goes to Texas and tries to cherry-pick guys. And if you go into Texas and beat one of their premier teams, that holds some weight. 
Yeah, and I'm glad it's uh, this year we're playing at A&M and not next year. So yeah, uh, but it does. I mean, Texas is where Texas and Florida is where you want to have those those real estate investments at, so to speak, in terms of recruiting. And Alabama's done a really good job in Florida. And when they want somebody out of Texas, seven out of ten times they're pulling them. Three, and this may not be one that anybody else cares about, but A&M defensive back Leon O'Neill. I don't know if you remember him. Alabama recruited him in high school. He's always had a lot to say about Alabama since that time frame. He tweeted out a few years ago that he called Nick Saban, he canceled his official visit, and told Nick Saban that he'd rather beat him while he was canceling it. Uh, This guy sent out an Alabama-related tweet about once a month since then. So I I shouldn't care or be like this, and if it makes me petty, so be it. But it's always given me great joy to know Leon O'Neill has no idea what it feels like to beat Alabama. Yep. I mean, I remember that kid. Yeah. Uh, he's OBJ mixed with Jonathan Kongbo. So, uh, <laughs> plays more like Jonathan Kongbo. Shit talk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's yeah, more Jonathan dude. Kongbo on the field than OBJ. Yeah. We want to take this moment too and let you guys know we are sponsored by Petty Betty uh, for all your petty needs. Uh, <laughs> hey, look. I'd love for him to, you know, have that 0-4 stat to swallow while he still has that chapped ass. Yeah. Before we wrap up, are you concerned at all about the possibility of Chris Owens being out on Saturday and Landon Dickerson moving over to center uh, just as the run game started to gain a little momentum last week? Yeah, of course. You know, um, thankfully they had a bye week, you know, to kind of work some things around. Uh, I'd be concerned wherever Landon's moving just because we don't have him at both spots. But at the same time, I'd feel more comfortable than a 80%, 70% uh, health, you know, Chris Owens at center versus a 100%. I'm going to smash your ass into the ground, Landon Dickerson. So. Yeah. Uh, A&M's 29th in the country in run defense. They're only giving up 3.74 yards per carry and 108 yards per game. But they did give up nearly 200 to Auburn. So I, I think some of that is related to the Texas State and Lamar games. Those early stats can kind of be deceiving. But, but no, I don't love having to move guys around literally one game after the run game started to look decent. So we'll see. Landon Dickerson has given us no reason to doubt his abilities to this point. And you have to assume, too, this could be the week Deontay Brown earns that spot back. Well, if it's not, I, I don't know, man. He's been eating way too much cornbread then. <laughs> I, I don't know what it is. But uh, at the same time, talk about your concern with rotating people throughout the season so far. It'll bode well in terms of uh, flexibility come, you know, later in the season at least. I, I got to find the positive out of this one. So Yeah, well, I guess it could be a question going into the game, but it could also be a positive going forward if Brown comes out and performs. Uh, Alabama is a 17-point road favorite. Who do you take? God, that's so tough. Uh, I'm probably going to lean A&M. Yeah, it would seem like like taking the three-score top 25 home underdog would be the the sensible thing to do. Yeah, I'm going to say that. I don't think it's in terms of literally the final play of the game, but I took A&M against Clemson, and I had the same amount of points, and they scored a touchdown with four seconds left to cover. I think A&M covers on a late score, and uh, you know, obviously it's garbage time. But I, I think this is a lower-scoring affair, though, than some people are expecting. Really? Uh, I think Alabama's going to struggle a little. And, I, and by that, I mean we're not talking 56 points, but I, I think the chances are better that Alabama doesn't score over 40 than they do under. So uh, I can see A&M actually playing 
some pretty good football in this game. Okay. Yeah, I mean, if, I, if I'm pressed, I would probably I would take A&M as well, just because that's a lot of points. But I would not want any of my money riding against Tua in the Alabama offense either. Uh, I would not well, feel comfortable. Yeah, and that's why I do what I do for a living and make no money uh, versus making all the money by putting my money where my mouth is. You sure you don't want to move out to Vegas? Um. Well, I've always wondered what being homeless is like, so. <laughs> all right. This has been the Roll Bama Roll Podcast. Roll Tide.